from Capital Broadcasting Company and Mix 101.5. This is Seen and Screen. I'm your host, Diane Ramsey. I'm so excited here with Ira David with the third and Ira David with the fourth. The the woodsmen, <laughs> both here together. So nice to have you. Great to be here. It is October, so theater tends toward the spooky material. And I understand you guys are doing Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, give us yes. some spooky sounds. Welcome. <laughs> we hope you'll stay here. It'll be a pleasant one. <laughs> October 4th through 20th. So now this is Bram Stoker's material, but David, you have adapted this. Yes. This is not the first time you've done it. How many times have you done this? This will be the fourth. The first time we did it, I was young enough to play Dracula. Now I'm old enough to play the corpse in the casket, so <sighs> I've passed it along to my son, and uh, he's doing an incredible job. But we read the uh, Broadway version that Bella Lugosi was in, the one that everybody normally does, mm-hmm. and they spend the whole first act trying to figure out who left the two marks on uh, Lucy's throat. Well, we all know that, so I said we have to have an adaptation that goes straight into, uh, oh, it's Dracula, he's here, let's move it and, and get on with it. So that's what we do, and it's just a great Halloween show to oh, come and see. Yeah, absolutely. Lots so. of special effects and uh, a lot of oohs and ahs, and there are a lot of boo moments where the audience will jump, they scream, and then they giggle a lot. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. Now, is this a reprise of what you've already done before, or did you change it up? We changed it up a little bit. We've added some more effects. It's the same script. And a lot of people say, is it okay for kids? And I say, well, Yes, I mean, it. the original Dracula with Lugosi had one drop of blood in it, mm. so and it still drove people crazy. And I think it's more uh, um, a mental thing that yeah. we've created, a mood play, you know, because right. he's just a dark stranger that's lurking out there in the, in the darkness somewhere, and he comes in. In the and, anticipation. Yes, yes, that's know. exactly what it is. Pretty cool. So you're directing. Yes. Dave is directing. Ira. Yeah. So you are the monster? No, you're not a monster. Well, you are a monster if you're Dracula, well, I guess. Well, I suppose you could call him a monster. Maybe he's just misunderstood. Oh. <laughs> he just needs a hug. Did Van Helsing just ever a, stop uh, and think about his needs and wants? <laughs> I don't think he did. So you enjoy it? Is it a fun I role? I do. I've, I've, I've been having such a wonderful time doing it. This will be my fourth time playing Dracula. And I can honestly say that, that this production... Um, I think it's going to be the best one we, we've done so far. Ooh, we've got okay. a few new people on top of the original cast. Um, we're tweaking and adding new effects. It's kind of like a, a cook with a good recipe, but mm-hmm. over time you just tweak it and you, you change the spices a little bit until you get you get the sauce just right. right you know the what flavor. I mean? it's, good, it's got a good sauce to it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm really I'm really excited for to get an audience to see the response. Okay. Now, Dracula story is sort of a commentary on society, right? The Victorian culture and all that? Yes. Well, he lays it out. He and Van Helsing have this, I think, well, of course I wrote it, so I would think it's a beautiful scene, but <laughs> where Dracula just states his case. He says, I've lived for 500 years. I've sampled everything that culture can can offer me, you know, and he says, I'm, I'm offering you immortality. And, of course, Dr. Van Helsing's counter is, but you have to surrender your soul in order to do it. Right. And I think, you know, that is something that we grapple with, you know, sometimes during a nine to five. How many times are we going to sell our soul for the mm. job or, you know. So there's a lot of, of things about Dracula that resonate to us, to anybody today. Also, 
in in Victorian England, when when the book came out, um, women could forgive themselves for giving themselves over to this dark stranger who came into their bedroom. And this is a very titillating thing because they were all under his spell, so they were guiltless. Oh, right. And this was a wonderful kind of sensual release for Victorian English women, you know, to do Shades of Dracula. Yeah, with, <laughs> right? exactly without guilt. So, it, you know, to harken back to that day was was very interesting in my research to try to write an adaptation that was faithful to what Stoker put down originally. Well, that was you allude to something I was wondering. How do you do an ap- yeah. adaptation? I mean, do you you must do research? You you have to, yes. But you looked at the main story, like you said, and you yes. decided, well, it just takes too long to get to the to the meat. Exactly. So I'm going to get to it a little sooner. But I did take a lesson from Jaws. You don't see the shark mm-hmm. until that is well very true. into the movie. So you don't see Dracula until the very end of Act One. And he appears in a crypt way up high, silhouetted in a doorway. But what you do see are his red glowing eyes. Ooh. Yes, it's Super very cool. frightening, you know, because you, you build it all up. And then the fog rolls in, the door opens by itself, and there he is. And then the lights go off, and you're at intermission. So you, you can't wait to get back in and say, oh, man, now we're getting to the, to the heart of it. Oh, man, that's, that's you making it sound really good. I definitely want to see this. Okay, again, it is October 4th through 20th, and you do suggest people get their seats early because it does tend to go, they do tend to go fast. Lots of candy corn in the lobby. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, yes, everybody oh, does this That time is so of year. perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, you don't have a Thanksgiving production. No. But you're, you do the holidays well. You've got uh, Christmas uh, after Dracula, you're doing um, David Sedaris's uh, Santa Land Diaries? That's right, at Theater in the Park. Okay. And, and then we'll be doing a Christmas Carol in uh, Memorial Auditorium downtown and over right. at Deepak in Durham again. Ira and I will be shifting off alternating the roles. What is that like? Oh gosh, for me it's heaven. I get, I get to, I get a day of rest. Yeah. And he does a wonderful job. I uh, the first time I saw him do it, it was an out of body experience. He's he's amazing. He really is. Because I've heard other people who have seen both of you guys do it and say it's not like he's imitating you. No. But you do have a similar take on the character, I guess. He does. He does. That's the best way to say. Well, it. Well, he does a Christopher Walken imitation that I can't oh. do. And I just sit in the wings and fall all over myself laughing. He's wonderful. You know, and like I always say, if you, if you haven't seen our version of A Christmas Carol, it's like Charles Dickens meets Archie Bunker. Oh, that's a good So way we to have put a little it. fun with the old miser. He, he, he delights in wrecking Christmas for everybody. But again, you're very true to the original because yes, I've are. watched, I think I probably saw Theater in the Parks, A Christmas Carol, before I actually saw. I don't know, George C. Scott, didn't he do it? Oh, he, he yes, George C. He's okay, a I, think I saw the movie and I went, oh my God, it's the same lines. I, I, think, I don't know yeah. what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. But um, people are shocked at how much actually comes from the, the book itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then you have so much fun oh, with uh, ever, yes. updating it every year with the little pop culture references and <laughs> the folks that, like, you still have the walk on parts, yes, the, yes. the cameos. Yes, we do. Can you hint at any of that? We, do, we, we don't know. We, oh. d- we don't oh. know. That okay. usually falls into place about a week before we open, as does a lot of the topical humor. 
because it, oh. we want it to be topical, so we have to take it right off the news, you know. How about that? It. Yes, but it's we, a lot of fun. And uh, by the way, um, no, you're not going to toot your own horn, but A Christmas Carol just, first of all, the first theatrical production at Deepak. That was a pretty cool thing, and yes, it, it still was. is. Yeah. And then you've, let's see, you're, you've been honored as one of the top 20 events in the Southeast. That's right. Um, that's pretty big. Well, there are only 21 events in the Southeast. Shut so. up. <laughs> that's not true. Good line, though. Um, and then the Metro Ovation Award, uh, the Triangle Arts and Entertainment Readers Choice Awards. You've had proclamations from, I can't say, is it Compain? France, thank you. And the Kingston upon Hull, England, and of course uh, the governor and the the mayor. And, and despite all of that, we're still doing the show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let them rail. Oh man! So the humor, the humor is great. That is the one show, though, that they don't go to theater in the park to get the tickets for no, a Christmas Carol. The Theater in the Park has about 240 seats, and the venues we play Christmas Carol in are 2,400 to 2,700. Gotcha. Um, but it is December 11th through 15th at the Duke Energy Center for the Performing Arts in Raleigh, and then at DPAC December 18th through 22nd. So looking forward to that. All right, now can we talk about 2020? Because sure. I see some really cool stuff on your schedule that I know I'm psyched about. <laughs> All right. First of all, The Old Man of the Old Moon. Based on a story, a very famous story that I'm not familiar with, but sounds real interesting. Tell us a little about well, it. Well, imagine a man who has to light the moon every night, and his wife disappears, and he has to go searching for her. And that's the story of The Old Man and the Old Moon. But it is a musical, and the music is so beautiful and captivating. It really is amazing. And it's a musical that not too many people have seen in the area. Right. So I think we're very, very excited about that. Okay, and that's coming February 14th through 29th. Yes, that's our next show after Christmas Carol. Right, and then... Guess who's coming to dinner? Yes. I didn't even know this was a play. Again, I've only seen the movie. Yes. So talk about that. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Linda Clark and I will play the two lead roles in that. I'll be doing the Spencer Tracy role. She'll be doing the Katherine Hepburn role. And uh, we, have some, we have some really fine actors who are interested in coming to try out for it. It's something I've always wanted to do. Of, of course, it's a timeless message. Mm -hmm. uh, this, the adaptation is, is rather new, so this is the first time it's ever been done in, the, in our area. So I'm looking forward to that. It's a beautiful script. Everything you've seen in the movie mm -hmm. is basically there in the stage version. And sadly, with our society, every time we think we have progressed, it still comes back, exactly. the prejudice. And I think there was a line in, uh, on your website these people consider themselves to be open-minded. Yes. But then when it happens in their family... You see, that's the big... Yeah, that's yes. a big thing. And I, like I say, it's a message that we need to be occasionally reminded of. I think so. Yeah. Okay, and that will be Guess Who's Coming to Dinner April 17th through May 3rd. And then Edward Albee's Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf's Oh, gosh. A happy romp through the tulips, as we say. <laughs> Yes. It's a yes. family show. A family oh, show. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've never seen it on the stage, but I, I'm oh. looking forward to it. And this is the musical version. <laughs> no, come no, on. Don't tease no, me. No, no, <laughs> Actually, we had an actress, a local actress, who walked into the theater, and she said, it's been a dream of mine to do it. And I said, well, this theater's always been a dream of mine. So that's two dreamers together. 
You pick your cast and come in and, and let us produce it. So we are looking forward to it because we've got a group of people who are really chomping at the bit to get on stage together. When you've got good friends up on that stage doing that show, it's phenomenal. It's lightning in a bottle, mm. and you're, you're on the edge of your seat. You really are. Real quick story about it. I had lunch with Edward Albee. No way. And, yes way. And uh, he actually came to Raleigh, and I was lucky enough to be invited to lunch with him. We were doing The Lion in Winter, and I was playing King Henry. And right. he asked, he said, you're an actor? I said, yes. He said, what are you doing? I said, Lion in Winter. And he said, you should do George in Virginia Woolf. I said, yes, sir. So we <laughs> put it on our season the next year, and I got to play George again with Linda Clark. Linda and I have been married more on stage, on stage than right. I've been married she's to my good. real wife off stage. You guys are all good, but and, she's good. Oh, have a great time. So I've had my chance doing the role, and now to watch somebody else do it is going to be quite wonderful, I think. Because the person I understand who's doing the role is my Jacob Marley in A Christmas Carol, uh, David uh, Henderson. So, yeah, that's very exciting. That is going to be fun. And that one's that's going to be in the heat of the summer, June 12th through 28th. And then you wrap up 2020 with The Wild Women of Winedale. Yes. Sounds just like people down the street. Oh, you know, it's so like after special, four o'clock. You know, this happens in North Raleigh all the time. Come on. Yes, isn't that special? <laughs> Not today, Satan. Oh, yes, I have no you'll, idea what you'll this know is about. Every one of these women. And it's 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 a hysterical play. It's a, a series of, of plays that are about the South and about the things that we love and yet in some cases find so frustratingly wonderful about the South. But it has primarily to do with these wild women in this town of Winedale. So that's not a metaphor. No, it's, it's yeah, Winedale okay. is a place, and uh, this has to do with women growing older oh. and the problems that they face, and oh. it's it's a hysterical look. I, I had to put the book down and just laugh out loud when yeah. I was reading the script when we were selecting the season. And when I passed it around to the staff, what do you think? They all said, oh, my gosh, you got to do this. This People will be in the aisle. So <laughs> I think it's a wonderful way to kind of close out the season and, and uh, with all of the things that we're doing which are kind of family-related, you know, stories about family. Yeah, and, I can see that. Yeah, not a bad theme to have. That is a good theme. And to kind of go back and, and look at how families treat each other and interact and make us frustrated, make us angry sometimes, make us laugh, but inevitably work through the problems and become a tighter family because of it. Ooh, see, I'm thinking our whole entire country needs to do that. And remember, we're a family. Do you think? Perhaps. A little bit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, yes. So that's great. Well, you know, I think theaters do that. And, yeah. and um, you know, when you put together a season, you, you try to look ahead and you try to anticipate. Yeah, that must Nobody be Nobody could though. have anticipated what we're, you know, we're going through right now. But I think theaters take current events and somehow try to weave them together and say, what can we put on our stage that addresses issues that will matter to people? Mm. And right now, families are being torn apart because mm. of where they fall on the political spectrum. So sometimes mm. I think it's a good idea to go into a theater and get a message about, number one, what it means fundamentally to be a family and to accept each other and to accept 
our differences to try to understand the differences and find some kind of middle ground because nothing is worth losing family over. I mean, it's like there's got to be a reason to come together, and a good family tries to do that, I think. So that's kind of shaped our season, and uh, we had no idea it would resound as much as it obviously is right now. It's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. And how do people get tickets? A subscription or a season yes. pass? Yes. Or? A season membership is, is the best, again, because uh, tickets to A Christmas Carol uh, go on sale early to season members. They get the best selection of seats, as they do for all of our shows. Um, they get talkbacks. They get perks. We have a season member lounge. Ooh. Where you, you come in, you're massaged, there's a steam <laughs> and a hot tub, a little wine, and you're ready for the show. Uh, no, but you do have a lounge, and you, and you you can mingle with other season members. I come in and talk to them about the show that they're going to see and kind of prep them for that, and, and we get some time to visit. So, um, But you can get them online, theaterinthepark.com, but we spell theater, R-E, right. not theater. <laughs> We are theater, thank you, and um, uh, you can you can call our box office. Okay, now I was just poking around on IMDb mm-hmm. in a movie, and I saw something about a film. Is there some sort of film with you guys that's in the works, or yes, I, we, can we talk about that? Several or we films. Um, just curious. You, you know when the when the major uh, film production companies pulled out of North Carolina because uh, of rising costs, the independent film industry moved in and really started to bloom. And Ira and I have been fortunate enough to, uh, first of all, we worked together in a movie called The Believers. Okay, that was the one that caught my eye. And uh, it's still undergoing, I think, as... as Post-production I, is what they say they're right going, now. You post. They're still cutting that movie. They had an original showing of it. And uh, it was a mini series, <laughs> and they realized they had to cut it a bit, so they're cutting that. And um, uh, we've got another one that we're getting ready to work on too. Yeah, there's a possibility of uh, doing a Buddy Holly movie. Would you be Buddy Holly? No, no, I wouldn't be Buddy, Buddy Holly. No, but I could but, um, see that though. But I could see you making that work. Um, with technology the way it is, there's a lot of independent filmmakers popping up in the area. Mm. So when these directors and 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 production crews show up, they go, "Well, who's?" Who's the local talent? Right. So we've been getting getting the phone calls and attached to to these projects. I did one called The Fox Hunter, which is very interesting. Again, a southern life in a in a city very much like Raleigh, shot in the area. So there's a lot going on, and it's very very exciting. Wow, it is. And what sort of outlet do these type of films have for being shown to the public? Are they on like some of those channels like or like Netflix or streaming? I think eventually they will be. They're looking right now. The movies that we've worked on, they will enter them into various contests all across the country to get a little traction, to get some uh, publicity. Mm -hmm. And hopefully then you attract the studios, a distributor, and they go out commercially and... You just never know. Yeah. To me, that's the more interesting way to do a film is to actually do it and then get someone to back it as opposed to, okay, here's what they all say you're going to shoot. Exactly. And so they just reverse the process. They put the product together. If it interests a major studio, then, yeah, they'll take it and say, sure, we'll we'll distribute it. And the expertise is growing. 
and of course, now, my gosh, somebody shot a feature-length film with an iPhone. Just an iPhone, the entire movie on an iPhone. So wow. the equipment, know you know, it's not bulky, it's not big, it doesn't right. take trucks to haul it around like it used to. So the chances of these young, exciting, experimental filmmakers getting a hold of talent, we got it in the oh, area. We certainly do. Oh, my gosh. It's, I mean, everywhere. When I first came to Raleigh, when the dinosaurs roamed, <laughs> we had about six or seven theaters in the area, and most of them were university theaters. Mm -hmm. Now we have over 70 theater wow. companies in the Triangle area alone. So that's talent just coming out of the woodwork. And any night you want to go to the theater, there's something out there you want to see. I mean, it's like a buffet table. Just pick yeah. what you want because of, with all these companies offering so many different plays, productions, musicals, dramas, experimental things, you're going to find something that you really, really love. That is wonderful. Wonderful way to end our conversation. Ira David Wood III, Raleigh Hall of Famer since 2010. <laughs> And Ira David Wood the Fourth. Thank you guys so much for coming in and talking Thank to you, me. Thank you, Diane. It's wonderful. I'm Diane Ramsey. Thanks for listening to Scene and Screen. If you like the show, I'd appreciate you giving us a review and sharing it with your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app. This podcast is a production of Mix 101.5, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network.